Hey guys, what's up? This is week two of our hashtag Nats Vegas recording sessions. And it was a thrill for me to get to sit down with Dr. Scott McCoy, author of Your Voice and Inside View, founder of Inside View Press, professor at The Ohio State University. I was actually always sort of joked that when we would get Dr. McCoy on the podcast, Vocal Fry would sort of have arrived in the pedagogy world. And so here we are, uh, my friend, and mentor and uh, really a, a, a wonderful, wonderful colleague in the world of voice pedagogy. Uh, so thrilled to have him on, and I hope you guys really enjoy it. This conversation was not long because we were, I was literally interrupting him in his booth selling books at the, uh, at the, at the conference. And I was very grateful for him taking just, just, just under a half an hour and sitting down and, and, and having this conversation with me. So I hope you enjoy it. This is, this is episode 34 with Dr. Scott McCoy. You're listening to the MC Vocal Fry Podcast. Your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from the campus of Mississippi College in Clinton, Mississippi. So I I have the awesome pleasure of sitting here with one of my mentors through the business, I guess, uh, of of academia, not so much through actual life in academia, but but I am here with the legend of legends in voice pedagogy world, Dr. Scott McCoy from The Ohio State University. Thank you for sitting and having a conversation with me. I'm delighted, but legends of legends makes me seem really old and ready to quit. Um, uh, it's a great overstatement. Also, as well. <laughs> the founder of Inside View Press and author of Your Voice that we use in all of my classes. Uh, well, the basics in the undergraduate course and your more expansive book in the graduate course. Uh, so, here we are at Nats. You've been a lifelong Nats member and Nats president. Yes. Right. Uh, what would you say to a young teacher who maybe wants to start getting involved in Nats? What, 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 what should be their first step? They should join and participate. And from my perspective, what are the things that young teachers in particular, but not just young teachers, all singing teachers, we tend to view Nats as something that is a benefit for our students. And I wish that more of us really understood the extent to which Nats is here for our benefit as teachers, to help us become better teachers, to expand our contacts, to expand our ideas. When that's what Nats has been for me, I mean, mean, expanding my contacts, Mm -hmm. I mean, my network of professional people has been built through Nats. Absolutely. I mean, yes, my opera people that, you know, maybe I sort of know through the opera world. But but that's a a different element. It's a different thing. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, at uh, when we were in Los Angeles about mm-hmm. a month ago, mm-hmm. sort of leading this uh, interesting sit-down that we had, I'm still not quite sure what I can talk about on- online and what I can't talk about You can about talk about online. anything. <laughs> okay, good, good. So this we were... A, it's a work in progress. It is a work in progress. Mm-hmm. We were sort of at this meeting of a, of a joint group of pedagogy teachers from North America. They were all North American. All North American, yes. C- correct. But both the United States and Canada. And we're just sort of trying to come up with some different... Uh, 
standard, standard is standards is maybe a bad word, but this particular we were talking about what skills a voice teacher needs, mm-hmm. and I thought I thought that was a for me that was an invigorating discussion. Yep. I'm just coming off of the tenure push, and so now that that's passed, mm-hmm. I'm sort of reevaluating the way I'm doing things. In fact, an episode ago, I was telling them how this fall will be the first year in undergrad pedagogy and graduate pedagogy where I will fully flip it on its head and I mm-hmm. will start with I'm actually going to start with psychoacoustics mm-hmm. and then go to resonance right away what did you take away from our time in Los Angeles sort of our discussion about what skills a voice teacher needs or anything well, from the, from from the what time. all of you talked about already in your podcast and, and let people know that the meeting happened or any, what, any of it yeah. I mean what did well, you so the, what did the, you the take meeting away? we're talking about in Los Angeles was the second pedagogy summit that we arranged the first one happened three years ago at Ohio State University, and then we met again in May. Was it May or April? May. May. In May, May. <laughs> in Los Angeles May. at USC. And this is a, a group of invited prominent pedagogy teachers. So people who are teaching in the trenches and actually are in the classroom teaching people how to teach. Yes. And you know, one of the things that we realize is that voice teaching tends to be the Wild West. You hand out, a, you can hang out your shingle and say you are a qualified voice teacher and start accepting students without knowing anything actually about singing or how the voice works. And you know, there's no licensure, there's no certification, so right. we, can, we can just do that. And while we're not looking at trying to establish criteria for what a singing teacher must be able to do, that you know, a certification yeah. program essentially. Yeah. What our goal with the, the pedagogy industry um, is simply to be looking at what skills are required to be a good voice teacher. And realizing that most of those skills take a lifetime to acquire. And certainly to continue to evolve. Yes. And you know, we're, we're dealing with young teachers who are starting out teaching and really haven't even figured out their own voices yet. And yet they are supposed to be able to help somebody else find his or her voice. And for the most part, when we are young, I know when I was a young teacher, I was a lousy teacher. It took me a long time to start really understanding what was going on. Of course, at the time I thought I was a wonderful teacher. I thought I knew everything, but now I realize just how much more I still need to know. But so what we're after with these meetings was to start to establish what we would say are core competencies and core knowledge bases that a good singing teacher must possess. And then beyond that, figuring out which of those core competencies should be taught in the context of a pedagogy class, which are taught in the context of a literature class, which are taught in the context of one-on-one singing lessons. Yes. And it was very interesting for me just hearing. Uh, it's it's almost as if when you hear people sort of then add to the list of skills, you sort of get the sense of like, at least because you know I've I've been teaching voice ped for twelve years now, mm-hmm. 
you sort of get the sense of, oh, yes, okay, I get the sense of what your course looks like. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. I, I, I do those parts. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because the bottom line is none of us have time to fit everything That's in what, to one course. It's impossible. Well, and you guys were actually upstairs at one point mm-hmm. when Alan was asking us, um, the group, um, how many different courses right. we have to offer at each level. Mm-hmm. And I guess I realized that I'm sort of in the Lorna McDonald category at my school because we have so many different I mean, mm-hmm. I, I am in the ample amounts of time. Yes. Um, I, I am. I, I am in the. I am in the. You know, I have. I have two semesters at the undergraduate mm-hmm. level, and I have multiple semesters at the yeah. graduate level. It's marvelous. And I realized how many of our colleagues still have one, one course. Yes. Right. And, at, and maybe even, even at the graduate. Maybe level. even at the graduate level. That is correct. And, and how uh, few have a, a dedicated practicum semester, right. a practicum course. And so another one of our goals is to start to set up a hierarchy. Yeah. That if you have this amount of time, these are the things that you really probably should try to hit. Which will inevitably continue to evolve. Absolutely. As we continue yes. to... Because I'll be honest, I mean, my thing in the last two and a half years since Ian introduced me to psychoacoustics has become like my, one of my biggest pushes mm-hmm. at retraining the way I'm hearing voices, retraining the way I'm teaching hearing to my students, yes. um, listening skills, I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, um, you know, and so just it will continue to evolve the Absolutely. more we, we understand about stuff. What's been the one thing, so, you know, you, you obviously being a, a noted author, I mean, everybody who listens to the podcast will know who you are, but... <laughs> What, what has been one of the things in the last five to ten years that's really sort of surprised you maybe with where we've gone with, with, with everything? With where we've gone? That's a, that's a wonderful question. And I have to say I'm delighted with where we have gone and where we are going. And the diversity, the inclusion, uh. and the embracing of so many additional kinds of singing, both in terms of repertoire, in terms of style, style uh, genres, uh, vocal techniques that are required and starting to do a much better job of honoring where all of those come from and honoring their value. At the same time, that brings up the really unfixable problem of the fact that there is simply too much for any one person to know. And It is the truth. As we diversify more and more, there tends to be the expectation that every singing teacher can do everything. And, you know, I actually, I know a few singing teachers. Uh, <laughs> yes, I would imagine you know a few singing teachers. Uh, that, that, sounds like uh, a true, you know, that sounds like a true statement. You know, in, when, I was, when I was coming up and in my training, all you did was classical music. Right. And Of course. The, the, when, people were, when people were hiring voice teachers, it was exclusively classical. Right. But that isn't the case anymore. Right. And even when it was the case, I didn't know many singing teachers who were equally adept at teaching a Wagnerian, a Puccini singer, a Bach singer, a Mozart singer, and an art song singer. Yeah. And that's just within what we would call the classical, classical. umbrella. Yeah. Nobody was good at it all. Right. But now all of a sudden, we're supposed to be good at all of that. Yeah. And we need to know music theater, mm-hmm. and not just classic music theater, all music theater. And commercial styles. Yes. And now rap and hip hop and oh my world gosh, music. I know. Yes. And my worry is that 
we are so intent on the diversifying that we are all becoming the proverbial jack of all trades, master of none. Nothing. And so, yes, we have a little bit of information about a lot of stuff. But boy, that is a true but statement. Actually, being deeply involved enough in a specific style or technique or genre to really know the difference between something that is world class and something that is just okay. I mean, that takes a lot of advanced work and a lot of experience working with it. And so to expect a young teacher to go into an academic position and really be good at teaching people who are Broadway bound, who are opera bound, who are, uh, who are music teacher bound, I don't know how we do it. Well, I, you, you know, I, I, think that you, I think you've hit on an important point there. I mean, it, I, I sort of, you know, grew up in musical theater, but then became an opera singer. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, but, but I would be foolish to tell you that I'm as good at teaching, for example, French melody right. interpretation as I am at teaching you how to sing a Tosti song. Right. Because oh. it's basically an opera aria, Italian opera right. aria, mm-hmm. which is very much more what I sing most of the time. Right. Yeah. And Let alone e- even, what even compared to, even compared to, obviously, I you know came up singing Schoenemüller and all this kind of thing. But even compared to singing German leader, I don't consider myself an expert yeah. in interpreting exactly. German art song. But yeah, I could teach you exactly how to sing a Puccini aria. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, interesting for me, I also feel perfectly comfortable teaching you how to sing a Jason Robert Brown song. Mm-hmm. But see, I have my own, you know, and we all have, I think, our own sort of expertises. Right. It's just, you know, but I would never teach someone to sing jazz. Mm-hmm. I don't right. listen to jazz. I don't sing jazz. Exactly. And I recognize that. I, I don't teach a lot of people, when I do have some more mic-based singers, I don't teach people how to sing country music because I don't listen to it. Mm-hmm. Right. I, yeah, if we don't know it, how can you teach it? Right. Uh, and I think you know, what you're saying is something that is an admirable quality, that we can recognize where we're weak, yeah. where we are strong, and ideally have the resources to refer the people who want to do the stuff that we don't know how to do to somebody who is really an expert in that area instead of trying to help them. So you would advocate for experts? Yes. In, in, in different varying well, styles? But it de- or... it, yes, but it also depends on what kind of level. If we're talking about teaching an amateur singer sure. who wants to sing for the simple love of singing, yeah. then go for it. But if we are hanging out our shingle and saying that we are a teacher who is capable of teaching people who have stars in their eyes and yeah. want to make their living as a professional singer, that we need to take really good stock of what our true abilities are. I think that that's been a, for me, in the pedagogy classroom, mm-hmm. that's been a transition for me over these la- over this last decade has been the realization that I wasn't just training people to recreate myself. Yeah. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes you know, sense. You know, whereas now I'm trying to make them prepared to teach the just sort of novice singer. Yeah. Maybe they're not maybe they're not turning them into world-class opera singers, right. but um, but they're bringing joy to their life. They're making helping them to sing better. 
Yes. Or I shouldn't even say better, to sing differently. Yeah. To induce change in the voice. And maybe some efficiency. I, yes. I, I like the word efficiency. It's mm-hmm. one of my big words. Um, yeah, better Better is one I've tried to get out of yep. my vocabulary as mm-hmm. much as I can, uh, although I'm not still the best at it. Mm-hmm. But um, you're getting better. I'm, but I'm getting... <laughs> But I'm getting, but I'm getting better. You know, something you hit on actually that you wrote about this year um, that I, I'm sure you got some feedback on was the article sort of about why the rush. Yes, I'm, I'm sure you must have gotten some feedback on that. I got a little bit of feedback. Uh, if you realize that being an author for the Journal of Singing oftentimes feels like you are <laughs> operating in the world's largest vacuum. <laughs> Because even even when I wrote the satirical piece, that was the that was great. Yeah, by the yeah. Way. What, what, what was that? The, 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 the singing better singing with PMS. Yes, the mm-hmm. the projectile projectile method of singing. singing. Yes. I got yeah. three comments on that. Article. Oh, I thought it was great. <laughs> but you know, I when made I, everybody read. When that. I write things that I think are actually going to incite people, they, I still don't hear anything back. But I did get some feedback from the What's the Rush, and. The, it was uniformly positive. Um, curiously, right after I wrote that and it was published, we had a singer audition for us at The Ohio State University, who was the archetype for the, I'm going to finish my DMA at 26 and start my teaching career and be a full professor by 35. And I referred him to that article and he said, thank you so much. This doesn't apply to me. Well, I um, I will tell. Can I share with yeah, you yeah, absolutely. my my reaction <laughs> to that? Um, my reaction was uh, because I'm very forthcoming on the podcast mm-hmm. with, with with information. You know, I when you and I first met, mm-hmm. I was I was the person you're referencing uh-huh. in the article, <laughs> and I don't say that yeah. it, 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 I, it, you know. Um, I was, I was, I always sort of had just a natural knack for teaching. In yes. fact, some of the students that I taught very early on are now some of my most successful yep. students. Uh, uh, me too. Largely because I ran into them in a good mm-hmm. place and, you yeah. know, whatever. And, anyway, but, but at the time, my singing voice was a wreck. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I went through a very painful process of having mm-hmm. to leave a job. Mm-hmm. Because I was that person you mm-hmm. reference in the yep. article, and and and, and I, I I confess that very honestly, yep. because I'm I'm a I'm a, I'm a I, I, now I'm in a post tenured world, yes. and I'm but I'm in a post tenured world now because I had to face my singing demons, yes. and I'm now singing very well. Yes, I now have my true adult voice. Mm-hmm. I actually had to learn what it was to sing as an adult tenor, mm-hmm. and I'm now enjoying a singing career again yeah. in addition to all right. of my voice research stuff. Yeah. And so I will just say, because I had a bunch of people ask me about that piece, mm-hmm. um, because I was that person, mm-hmm. I think the th- I think there's a great lesson. Well, and you even sort of in your own admission were like, you know, I mm-hmm. started my teaching career, yep. whatever. And I, I, I sort of applaud the fact that you were sort of so forthcoming mm-hmm. in that about your own journey. Um, but but I mean, I, I I understood it because it reflected yes, it, was, yes. it reflected it was, there, much it, it, there of what I went through. Ground. And uh, but 
now that I'm on the flip side of it, even though I was doing some teaching, good teaching and whatever, and knew a lot about the singing voice, I, f- I personally feel like a more whole individual. Yeah. And like I'm able to better, particularly interestingly enough, because this is sort of another hot button topic right now, I'm much better able to mentor my graduate students, particularly yes. in a much more holistic, whole right. life way. Exactly. And but, but that only comes with age and wisdom, and, and that's what you were sort of suggesting. Yes. It's pretty hard to mentor somebody when you haven't had any experience right. with what's going to be happening. And, right. And you're still an aspirational singer dealing with other aspirational singers. Right. You know, even if you've had some other successes, I mean, in my case, I had had some young success, Mm -hmm. but then my voice fell apart. Mm -hmm. Because my voice fell apart because I really didn't, I didn't know how to sing in passaggio. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand what the fullness of my instrument was. And, you know, whatever. And, you know, over time, you figure these kind of things out. So actually, it was interesting. I had someone contact me, who I'm not going to name, who was, asked me if I had read your piece. And I was like, I did... And they were like, well, what did you think? And I was actually like, I actually totally understood it Mm -hmm. and agree with it. Mm -hmm. And I think there's great wisdom Mm -hmm. to be had from it. So anyway, I thought it was great. (laughs) Um, One of the people who who, who hate it don't comment. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I guess that's why I asked if you had received any pushback from it. Please, come, come, come. No, no, we're good. Let's finish this up. (laughs) So, so, um... When, what, what, one question I get asked, so what, what, what sort of inspired you starting Inside View Press? You're going out on your own mm-hmm. rather than going with a publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you very specifically. Uh, I, when I had the book ready, I contacted a number of publishers. And the terms that they were offering were... Bad. Yes, they usually are. And the other thing that I noticed yes. that that I wanted to not have to deal with was the fact that having been in the classroom now for quite a long time, I kept running into the dilemma of standard texts being out of print. Uh, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh, yes. There, there was a time when yes. you, you couldn't even right. get Ingotitsa's Principles of Voice Productions out of print. Right. You couldn't right. get... The James McKinney diagnosis and correction of vocal faults. They, you know, the publishers would do a print run, and then when it ran out, they would just let it go fallow. And training tenor voices you can't buy right now. Right, people are selling training tenor voices for like one hundred and fifty dollars yeah. on eBay. And so I knew that I didn't want to be at the, the mercy of a publisher of. Well, we'll reprint your book and have copies available when we feel like it. That's right. And I investigated, and it uh, just proved to be something that was really possible to form my own printing, my own publishing company. And so now, since 2004, it's grown from one title to well, actually, if we count all of the different anthologies, I can't. I can't imagine uh, what it is now. Probably 15, 16, 17 books. We have a number more that are on the horizon in the immediate future. Well, Shannon Coates and I were just talking about mm-hmm. writing a book about the first voice lesson you ever teach. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, it's a different story. <laughs> Send me a D- different, different topic. A different topic. <laughs> um, uh, just this idea that that I, I sort of laugh at all of my students because the first time they ever sit down to teach, what they end up doing. 
well, they go to the piano and they play a five-note scale and they do a lip trill. Yep. Because that's what their teacher did with that's, them. That's correct. And, and <laughs> well, and, 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 and it goes beyond that. I, yeah, of course. Think, think, of the, when, think of the times that you have unobtrusively overheard one of your students warming up. Oh, yes, yes, And yes, invariably, yes. they are not singing the exercises that you work with them on. Yes, no, They no. are singing the exercises that their first teacher gave them yep. when they were in high school, whether or not they're appropriate. They're doing an octave and then doing mm-hmm. a nine-note scale, yeah. and then, I mean, and that's, you know, and yeah. yes, that's, mm-hmm. that's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly, wow, that's incredible. Yes. All right, so where can they get the books? Inside View Press is the... Uh, yeah, the, the, the website for is insideviewpress.com, or shortened, just Voxped, as in voice pedagogy. Right, which Voxped. is, n- and, and now the multimedia is on the is website. on the website as well. Which so I that, found very convenient yeah. as a Mac user. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, in, yes indeed. And almost all of the catalog is always available on Amazon as well. Right, of course. Uh, and, and of course, you know, director of VoicePed and Lab and whatever at Ohio State, still enjoying that. Yes. Are you still getting to conduct choir at all? You were conducting choir there for a while. I, I was for a while. Uh, right now I'm not again. Okay. But I look forward to doing some of that again in the relatively near future. Yeah, that's awesome. And we can always sort of work our sort of old loves into, yeah, well, into yeah, what, what I, we're doing. My dear friend who's the director of choral activities gave me the world's greatest present a few years ago and I prepared and conducted the Verdi Requiem with orchestra and my own soloist that I picked in. My <laughs> goodness gracious that's a that's a gift. That is yes it, it was the best present I've ever gotten in my life. I mean that's incredible <laughs> yeah. wow wow that's like getting to conduct Mahler too or yeah, something exactly. my gosh that's amazing mm-hmm. All right. Well, I look forward to Voice Pedagogy Summit Three. Yes, I whenever do too. we get around yes. to doing it, uh, it will happen sooner than the, the gap between two and three will be shorter than I, one and two. I'm all for it. Yeah. Uh, one last thing. So we are a Voice Pedagogy Science and Pop Culture podcast now. Mm-hmm. So what? In, in, in any of your little moments of free time that you somehow squeeze out in your life, what do you do to sort of let the mind relax a little bit? Uh, anything from reading a book that's not about singing or, or uh, watching a TV show or a movie or, or, or cooking or, or, or anything? Uh, or hobbies? All of the above. I, I raise and breed tropical fish. No, you do not. I do. I have about 800 gallons of aquariums. There, you heard it here on Vocal Fry First. Scott McCoy raises and breeds tropical fish. I thought you used to work on cars. Well, I do that too, but... You raise and breed tropical fish. When did you start doing that? Uh, Long, long time ago. How many fish does he have? Twelve tanks! Goodness gracious! Mm -hmm. And you sell them? Yes. What?! So like, do you Not for, it's just the, the, I, I sell enough of them to pay the pay for the habit. The habit. Yeah. Uh huh. Yes, yes, yes. I actually, my wife just suggested to me. I'm, I'm helping some some of our friends mm-hmm. navigate Disney because we're such big Disney mm-hmm. people that I'm I'm sort of sitting down with them mm-hmm. to do some consulting. And she said, well, you "Why do don't you just do this as a business? Even yes. if it's enough to pay for our annual passes, yes. that makes it worth it yes, for it us." Does. So anyway, it's something we're considering. So there you go. Scott McCoy breeds tropical fish. Thank you. <laughs> So much for having a brief conversation with me, My Scott. Thank you so much. This, this, I predict this will be one of our most downloaded episodes of all time. Right. You wait. I sat down and had coffee with Ian and Ken mm-hmm. in Chadley in Vegas. Mm-hmm. That is our most downloaded episode mm-hmm. right now so far. Mm-hmm. But when people know that Scott McCoy was on the podcast, this is a, this is an arrival point for Vocal Fry. 
Okay, I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks, Nick. Bye.